Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It's time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, here with you live on a Wednesday night, September the 26th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jay, here to recap week three in the NFL. Always something going down in the league, and this week it was all about the helmet rule, once again coming into play, the late hit rule, the falling down on the quarterback rule, whatever you want to call it. That was an issue. The Messiah goes down with a horrible knee injury and the uh, craziness out in uh, or down in Atlanta with New Orleans uh, against the Falcons, just the craziest game. I got to watch all of that back and forth, and it was just uh, amazing, a, a display of offense, the likes of which the league probably wants to see with all their teams at some point eventually. Jay, uh, what, uh, what stood out to you? Uh, in this week three of of major news stories? Well, there's a lot of places to start, right? And and the one place that I'm going to start is the place that you didn't mention. I'm going to start up here in Minnesota, where I don't know if you're aware, but the Buffalo Bills pulled off something that has never happened in the history of sports gambling. I don't know if you heard this stat, but no no team ever, ever, ever had been more than a two-touchdown underdog and won by more than two touchdowns. In the <laughs> history of sports gambling, since they started setting lines, what happened up in Minnesota with the uh, 16.5, 16-17-point underdog bills going up and completely housing the Minnesota Vikings um, and, and basically in, in every facet of the game. I mean, they were coming after Kirk Cousins, they, strip sacks early in the game, getting into the end zone, Josh Allen for, you know, being the project. He, he certainly wasn't lacking in, in enthusiasm and he's going to probably, I mean, he's going to make a ton of mistakes. In in this process, but just just the raw athleticism that he displayed at times, uh, able to scramble at one point. I mean, again, he he hurdled Viking defenders. Um, you know, he must have thought he was a regular Jimmy Garoppolo when he, when he was out there. You know, but breaking breaking contain, making plays with his arms. You know, had the Vikings completely on their heels the whole game, and what looked like an absolute blowout, although. You and I both had the Vikings in the big points, but still didn't feel confident enough to lock it down. Uh, I got to, yeah, I got to give all the, all the credit to a team that we completely left for dead. The, they were the FedEx mail it in team the week before they had a dude retire at halftime. Just did not want to be on that team anymore. It was done with football. The, the bills sucked the life out of him and they go up to Minnesota 
and and pull off an incredible upset, propelling your Bears into first place. Three weeks. First place, Chicago Bears. Yeah. I haven't. I uh, did not have the time to do the research, but it that that upset of Buffalo uh, by Buffalo of Minnesota prompted a uh, question in my head. I need to go back before we'll, I'll I will have done it before we have our pick show for Week Four on Saturday. I need to go back and see what is the record of the top four or five or maybe more, depending on how I feel, how much research I feel like doing, the biggest three, four, five, ten point spreads in the first three weeks of, of, of any season. And, of course, I got all these records of our picks going back, you know, 10, 12 years or so. And my theory is I want to know if we're putting too much, we the betters are putting too much emphasis on certain teams uh, so early in the year, is it something that every favorite over 10 points, over 12 points, over 14 points in the first three weeks of the year, do we need to look at all of them and, and maybe just take the points to take the underdog? Because I, I, I need to go back and figure this out. I'm thinking about all the, the biggest spreads of this year. I can look up, I can look at this year quick while we're live on air because I have this year's uh, Excel sheet open, but from just thinking about it, the biggest spreads this year, I think, have all gone to the, to the underdogs. We haven't had that many double-digit spreads, but um, I don't think the, the favorites have been covering too many of these spreads. We got this this week was the uh, the only double-digit for this week. Last week, the Rams were 13.5-point favorites against Arizona. That they covered. They destroyed Arizona. Yeah, that was that was worthy. But New but New Orleans was a ten point favorite against Cleveland and did not cover that. Uh, then week one, the biggest spread, of course, was New Orleans by nine and a half over Tampa, and Tampa beat them straight up. So that's a, a working theory that I'll do the research and get more into later on. The biggest spreads this early in the year, do they come through, or do we need to look at all of them skeptically? Because I wonder if that's Minnesota overlooking Buffalo, I wonder, is that Buffalo looking at the spread and going, okay, we're, you know, that's so disrespectful. We're going to fucking come out and do all we can to, to win this game and show them because 16 and a half this early in the year is ridiculous. And we both should have known that, but we didn't. Um, and Buffalo played like they were personally insulted by the whole thing. And maybe they were. Yeah, and you know what really happens? Sometimes it's just the game within the game. So you, we we don't know all the possible outcomes of anything. We only know what we see. And the Bills came out. They took the first possession. They drove down. They got a touchdown. Then all of a sudden, uh, on like two of the next three drives, might have been two drives in a row, Kirk Cousins gets strip sacked deep in his own territory, and you're staring up at the scoreboard and it's seventeen to nothing. And I don't care who you are. You know that that that's difficult. <laughs> it's it's not a great position that you want to be in. But the Bills they just kept coming after these guys, and, uh, and Josh Allen is is too young and and too dumb and just out there balling and making incredible plays, running around, taking hits, jumping over dudes, diving for the pylon, and uh, yeah, they just the the Vikings were never able to get anything going. The Vikings were so sloppy, tons of drops. Um, 
guys in traffic couldn't couldn't make plays, and they didn't even start moving the ball until garbage time. It was uh, I was watching the highlight package at one point of that game, uh, trying to take as much of it in as I could, and it was something like the nine and a half minute mark in the third quarter was the first time the Vikings got into the into Bills territory in the game. Wow. So we, we, we knew that the Bills could play good defense. I don't think we ever really, you know, sort of knocked on the Bills for their defense. It was their defense that pretty much solely got them into the playoffs last year. So this all just makes me wonder, maybe Vontae Davis was the problem. <laughs> he clears out of the that, – that's maybe another motivating factor. When you have a teammate – and we've never had that, so we don't know. When you have a teammate <laughs> look around at you at halftime of a game and say, you know what? Fuck all y'all. I'm out of here. Maybe that galvanizes the team and they come back the next yeah. week and decide to prove it to him. Maybe uh, that smacked him in the face a little bit. There's all sorts of possibilities. Uh, I, I really didn't see too many highlights of the game. I just saw Josh Allen hurdle the guy at one point, so he was he really did. feeling himself. Uh, I know that they that being down so quick so early completely altered any Vikings offensive game plan because I believe Latavius Murray ran five times in the whole game. And I'm sure that was yeah, not they, the plan they were coming going in. To a, they were going to some other guy out of their backfield who I'd never heard of because uh, I didn't you – know, Delvin Cook I don't believe was available. Right. And there, you know, there was another guy that was making a lot of plays for them, uh, mostly in the passing game out of the backfield, and his name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, it, you know, it, that, that tells you how great he is, right? Dude, yeah. Random, random guy. Basically. Random dude. Random random dude. Uh is just just some guy who's coming out of the backfield. Uh where where is it? He kept he kept uh coming out of the backfield. CJ Ham. You, you, ah. you a big fan? Uh don't know anything about him. Is is his brother named Eggs? Hey hey I don't I never I don't know anything about CJ Ham. Yeah, that that was the guy uh, making a lot of plays in the passing game because he didn't have a single rush. Um, so he was he was basically filling the the James White role, <laughs> the Corey Clement role. Uh, C.J. Ham was was filling that role. But and again, this was all did it to the Patriots on Sunday night. Yeah, but this was all checkdowns in garbage time. You know, I mean, these this, yeah. they were struggling to even get first downs late in the game. So the bill, the Bills played inspired, and, and sometimes you see this, right? You give that horrible team a little glimmer of hope, and uh, and they ran with it. Yeah, like I said, I need to do the research to see if that's something that maybe is a, a big deal earlier in the year. That teams that are that big underdogs, like wait a wait a minute, you know, people are counting us out that you know this early. Maybe yeah. maybe there's something to them rallying around that. Uh, so, and as far as the Vikings go. Of course, we'll be talking about that at the uh, end of the show when we pick the Thursday night or tomorrow night. They don't really have too much time to worry about what happened because they got to get on a plane and go out to California and and play maybe the best team in the league. And you wonder, okay, was this a bit of looking ahead? Okay, maybe, but that's not the way you want to get caught looking ahead. They should have got snapped right back into attention real quick, and it, it, it didn't seem to take. Yeah. Um, but there, there's uh, any number of reasons why that could have happened. 
how much of the uh, Saints Falcons game did you catch being the uh, the Vikings fan? Or was that even available up there where you are? No, I mean, but it was uh, because the game was so high scoring. There was so much going on in there. That game got tons of cutaways. I saw most of the last bit of uh, regulation, uh, the entire overtime. Um, my my big takeaway from that game is Atlanta's defense is just decimated. I mean they no, they're they just, just keep losing starters. Oh, they're just missing so many guys. Now Ricardo Allen, I believe, is the the, the neck that yeah. is gone. So at what point? How many starters can you lose on your defense before you start giving up forty three points? I mean, not not too many apparently, especially impact guys. I mean, these were the guys that were that we when we talk about Atlanta, um, like in the season preview show we're highlighting the guys that are all getting hurt. Like these are the guys who are going to make the impact and to, to turn this team into a, you know, a much better defense. I mean, last year in the second half of the season, I want to say they were only giving up 17 or 18 points a game. And now almost half of those guys are gone. And this is what you're going to get. So, you know, they, 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 clearly the offense broke out, but that's because the Saints defense to this point in the season has been just absolutely terrible. So nothing, nothing was new from the Saints' perspective. What I really saw is just I think the injuries on the Atlanta defensive side are just gonna. They're just there's no way, especially against a top tier offensive team like the Saints, that Atlanta's going to be able to hang in there. I'm sure they'll, I, I'm sure they'll beat teams that struggle to move the football because they can clearly put up the points. I think after that week one at Philadelphia, where they would put up ten. Each week they've looked more impressive, and uh, Matt Ryan seems to really have, uh, you know, warmed nicely quickly to to Calvin Ridley, which is what's going to happen when you've got you know two guys on the other side always going after Julio Jones. So so they're going to have a nice little dynamic thing going on here for the rest of the season because it's one until one of them gets hurt. Um, <laughs> that just seems to be the thing. Thankfully they don't play defense, but. Yeah, that was sort of the big thing. A fun game, great, one of those just great high-scoring, high-flying NFC South games, which funny because the the commentators were talking about how this is like typically the type of game that the Saints and Falcons play. No, it's not. They they typically play like a 20-17 to 17 style game, even though they both normally have really good offenses and historically bad defenses. They almost always seem to play this a little closer um, and lower scoring. I mean, Atlanta, New Orleans unders for a long time were probably a safe bet. This game blew that out of the water. This game made it feel like they were they're always uh, tilting the scoreboard and and going crazy. Yeah. But no, you're right, they're not. Uh, there's usually, I think, more familiarity with the combatants on each side, and they sort of know what each other is going to do. But New Orleans had some wrinkles. Drew Brees, uh, obviously, spin moving and juking his way into the end zone is a wrinkle that no one could possibly have planned for. Calvin Ridley is a brand new wrinkle that the Saints obviously didn't plan for. It was a brilliant game plan by the Falcons to just use Ridley to destroy the humanity of P.J. Williams over and over and over again uh, because, as you said, everyone else was busy watching Julio Jones and making sure that he didn't get open. And they just took what was available, which was PJ Williams in coverage in the open field, which was an absolute nightmare. He got toasted. I believe I tweeted something like he got toasted so much. He needed to be in between graham crackers. Um, 
this guy. I mean, and and they and they did not let up, and the Saints really didn't make an adjustment until maybe like real late, like fourth quarter or overtime, is when they finally decided to pay attention to him and and give PJ some uh, some help, and they even rotated him out uh, a few times. They had him switching off with another cornerback. Okay, you you obviously had enough of Mister Ridley. Let's get somebody else on him. Uh, yeah, it was it was a fascinating game to watch. It was uh, several times I thought the Falcons had it sewn up and and had the pick sewn up for us, and I was happy for Atlanta. I was happy for Matty Ice and his five touchdowns. That he finally seemed to have a breakthrough combined with last week, uh, and and really seemed to be on his way to you know having a, a maybe an MVP type season and. Then, like you said, the, the the defensive injury started happening, and the, the the depth gets tested. And of course, you're playing the Saints' offense. There's also the uh, factor of I wondered about which teams were going to wake up from their slumber in Week Three, and it looks like the Saints woke up from their offensive slumber because they have not been playing like this the first two weeks offensively, not really close, uh, and they really woke up and turned it up and, and coming back to win this game. There's also the matter of the jinx of me because going back to uh, Shohei Otani and the way I hyped him up and uh, Alex Reyes, the Cardinals young pitcher, and the way I hyped him up, uh, as much as I talk about other defenses in the NFL, there's only one defense that I listed every single person on the defense before the season started on this show as a way of pointing out, hey, show me the weakness here. Show me where the yeah. weak link is on this defense. And that defense will be the Atlanta Falcons. And here we are three weeks into the season, and four of those pieces have gone down to injury already. That is on me. I apologize to the Falcons organization. I apologize to Arthur Blank. I apologize to the entire city of Atlanta. I apologize to Dan Quinn. And I apologize to all those individual players for putting the whammy on them I, I'm I'm sincerely sorry, and I, I had to watch the overtime injury this this week. Uh, with, uh, uh, it wasn't Alfred; it was who who got hurt in overtime that I saw. Um, I had to watch Allen. that happen live. Wasn't that uh, Ricardo, Ricardo Allen? Allen popped, Ricardo yeah. Allen popped his Achilles right in front of me. Yeah, you know, right as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, that is that's an Achilles. He's done. I, you could just tell uh, yeah. right when it happened that it was. Uh, it was real bad, so it, it's, it's, it's worse and worse for the Falcons, and I don't know how they're going to overcome. They they got the guys to fill in and overcome a few of those spots, you know, maybe two, but you keep losing, especially out of the secondary, especially in that yeah. division with New Orleans and Carolina, and and now Tampa Bay apparently is high flying too. Uh, God, just just devastating, uh, but it, it, it takes away from what they did with Ridley, and it. Almost, I don't want to say discredits, but it almost makes it seem like, well, can Drew Brees and the Saints really do something like that again? Which I think they can, but it sure makes it a lot easier when the other team is losing defenders against you. Yeah, I mean, and and important key players. I mean, and that's that's where that's why I took away from that game was Atlanta just. They had, and in that overtime, you could just see they had no, they had nothing left. They had no oh. way to stop the Saints because they just. Even when they were trying, it just the the Saints were just going to march right down that field. You just knew it because after you had just watched it happen in the fourth quarter to come back to tie the game, 
and, and you know, Atlanta's just losing people. Then they lose another guy in overtime, and it was just, yeah, it was it was too much. I, that, I think that that Falcons defense is full strength. I think they handily win the game, but there's no uh, there's no way we're ever going to know that now. They have the overtime, uh, of course, when they're showing the game, they have the coin flip live most of the yeah. time for the overtime. The loud groan down at the was the Mercedes-Benz <laughs> Dome, the yeah, loud knew. crowd groan yeah. when New Orleans won the coin toss, that was something. I felt that in my soul. When they groaned, you could just – they knew. They could tell there's no way they're, they're getting the ball back. No way. And sure enough. The and I was watching that, and I even I called the last play. I'm like, oh, Drew Brees is going to dive over the – how does everybody not know that? That's the only thing – only play that they were going to run was Drew Brees doing that little jump up and poke the ball over and then pull it back. It's almost an indefensible play. That That's the thing is they probably did know, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Yeah, it just uh, – I'm starting to wonder if the Falcons have pulled some of their uh, training staff from the Anaheim Angels. Hmm. Or should I say I, the Los, An- Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Um, Anaheim of Orange County of California. Uh, yeah. Um, only if they sent Ricardo Allen back out there uh, <laughs> could you accuse them of being the Angels. Okay. No, then I'd accuse him of being you, Jackson. <laughs> he's, he's okay. Get back up there. Rub some dirt on it. Um. Yeah, so uh, we got to get to uh, to the Messiah, uh, Jimmy oh. Garoppolo, and all of the hype and all of the love that the 49ers were getting before the season began, and now, yeah, yeah, it's 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 over. Season's over. The ACL's blown. Moment of yeah. silence for Janine Garoppolo. Of course, a couple of things to take away from that. First of all, is uh, we get the last time to play uh, for for the Messiah. We get. Uh, <laughs> so that's the last time we'll hear that this year. And now ah. taking over for the Messiah would be. C.J. Beathard for the rest of the year, who has his own theme music that you've already uploaded. Every time you have to start C.J. Beathard for a game, that's the song that's going off in Kyle Shanahan's head. Yeah, when I saw that they were trying out Tom Savage this week, I believe I saw. Dude who wants to play NFL quarterbacks, you know, so infrequently that he would get himself concussed on purpose by just <laughs> diving headfirst into the line. That 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 guy they called him. Well, obviously they can't call Kaepernick. No, clearly. Yeah, that that's one franchise I will give a pass for not calling him. <laughs> They've been there, done that. I just want to know. I just want to know how, if anybody ever does sign Kaepernick, how how the announcers are going to be able to say his name without being like muted out or bleeped out, like they do in Madden now. 
I don't know. His name is a curse word, apparently. So I don't know how you get away with that. Here's the snap. Beep. Drop backs to pad. Drops back to pass. Oh, the coverage is breaking down. Beep. Takes off. Uh, yeah. I mean, wow. Maybe he'll be. He'll come back under a wrestling mask, and he'll be quarterback X. They'll have the. They'll have the name on his jersey, all uh, you know, fuzzied out. <laughs> You know, yeah, like he's the dude scene. answering the door on cops. <laughs> the naked boobies on the spice channel. You'd be all scrambled. Yeah. You can't. It's obscene. <laughs> it's an it's an obscenity. You can't see it. Uh, yeah. So no. Uh, the Forty Niners. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not quite mail it in. You know, they're gonna try. And C.J. Beathard, you know, did play. Did you know, okay and I'm in getting them to that one win before Jimmy Garoppolo came back but uh oh man San Francisco 49ers now I'm done yeah yeah I completely concur with that you have another rant about the injury uh in you possibly because you were just railing I believe just last week against people making stupid moves out in the open field trying oh. to get an extra yard and that's exactly okay. what Messiah was doing. Yeah, and, and not just that. He reaches the point of the decision point, right? Did you see the play? Yes. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure how much you were able to see, but he made, he reaches that decision point. Do I step out of bounds or do I lower my head down into five defenders? <laughs> and at the moment he decided to – plant off that leg and lower the head into the defenders, the body said, nah, no, you're not doing it, Jimmy. <laughs> and he just basically just flops over and then the dudes tackle him. But the knee went out on the, on the pivot. And, and clearly his body was ta- excuse me, taking him one direction. His brain was anyways, taking him out of bounds. And then just the stupidity took over and said, no, man, I'm Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I'm the savior of the 49ers. I'm going to sit. Ah, oh. <laughs> it's the competitive instinct. Uh, and he was playing for his life that whole game. I mean, the, the, the sidearm throws, you know, the, I mean, he'd have three dudes jumping on him and you would just see the ball zip out of the pocket, you know, like there'd be dudes all over him and boop, there goes the ball kind of like at some funny angle out to a, a fullback or a tight end or, I mean, he was making these crazy throws just to even keep them competitive in the game. And then he goes and does that. And again, that's all, you know, that that's sort of the big takeaway from the game. But for me, it's it's still the just completely fearless play of Patrick Mahomes. It, to me, is still uh, the big story. That they, he is just, there's no fear. There's no fear in the play calling. There's no fear in the running of that offense. Did you see the, the, the there was a, a scramble that he made at the end of the game, and then the ball just comes out like a laser beam for a touchdown. Even the announcer's like, are you kidding me? You know? Yeah. I mean, what he's doing right now, of course, now we're talking him up, so he's going to get hurt. He's going to, you know, like Deshaun Watson. <laughs> You're talking you know, him up. I, I didn't yeah. do it. Okay, you just you just stay quiet about Patrick Mahomes, because he's about the most fun there is left. Um <laughs> from week to week right now with, with, with just the sheer audacity in that offense. I have one note to praise him, but I'm afraid to say it now. Don't do I, it. I, I don't. I, <laughs> I, 
want to talk just, about him a little. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be the MVP or anything. I'm just. Oh, okay. I, I had one thing that I've noticed, and, and others uh, on different highlight shows have noticed, and, and it's unbelievable how he's so inexperienced in the game and has such great, not good, great eye discipline already. The way he looks better oh, yeah. off before yeah. just going completely the other direction on a laser is like, whoa. He's they been, ran he's been in the league for eight years. They ran a play in that game that I don't even know if a lot of like ten year veterans could pull off, and he pulled it off to precision. Basically, both you know he was basically like in a split backfield or it was type of a weird situation, and he faked a screen to both sides, and then just threw like a little five off dump off up the middle of the Travis Kelsey, which was the actual play call I would imagine the five yard tight end screen, but. It took so long and so much discipline to develop this and sell this. Like he had to sell the throw one direction. Then he had to turn his body completely around, do a 180, sell the throw the other direction, then resettle, and then throw the five-yard pass to Kelsey, who's just standing there all alone by this time because it took so long to develop. Just, I mean, like beautiful play calling. You can see Andy Reid is really enjoying this. Just like the the – and then just Mahomes is just running this with so much precision, and 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 he's looking guys off, and he's making yeah, it is it has been something to watch. A play like that uh, I didn't see, but when you describe it, I imagine Reed trying something like that for the past three, four, five years with Alex Smith. <laughs> right. He tried and he tried a lot of stuff like sacked. that with Alex Smith. That's what would happen. He would have gotten sacked. Well, not well that too, but also the the difference is. Doing all of that razzle dazzle, as uh, Mr. Cunningham might say, Gunther Cunningham, but you can't rely on the deep guys going with the uh, the, the right. defenders going with the yeah. deep receivers when Alex Smith does all that because you know Alex Smith at the end of all that is not sure. going deep. So but you what you're saying is Mahomes, that they keep, right? He'd throw it to Kelsey, and there'd be like three dudes waiting for him. Yeah, exactly. The, the 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 DBs would all be in the same fifteen yard area, but now right. you got deep guys that can run them off while Mahomes is doing all that, and then you they're fifty yards downfield. Now they got to come rally back to try to make the tackle. It, that just wears you out, man. As a defense, you're, yeah. you're just going up and down the field, sprinting with the receivers, and now you got all these dump offs that you got to come back and rally and cover. If if you're not in just the greatest shape. Uh, you're just going to be – your tongue's going to be dragging by the time the, the end of the game comes. Yeah, and I'm, I, I still worry. Honestly, I still worry for the Chiefs from the standpoint of they've they've looked so, so incredible, right? Uh, nobody has even come close to scoring as many points as they have. They They are – Fairly well clear of the rest of the league right now. They are one of only, looking at up, four teams that have scored 100 points yet. So pretty sad, though, that in the NFL now we have four teams over 100 points scored in three weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah but the league. they have also given up a, a massive <laughs> number of points as well. So it, it's not just that they're scoring in these bunches at some point. They're gonna have to stop start start uh, giving up, you know, giving up, uh, stop giving up so many points. 
Now, a lot of yeah. these points in this game were a lot of garbage time, and there was a lot of, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, and clearly Andy Reid could still go conservative to sit on a lead, and a lot of coaches can do that. They all don't, don't want to hurt any feelings. Don't he's, he's clearly not Mike Martz. <laughs> but, man, that first half of that game, I, I saw a lot of greatest show on turf-style offense from them. It's impressive. Patrick Mahomes is like Kurt Warner with mobility. <laughs> if you can imagine, if you could imagine that. Now, now, if he breaks something next week, don't blame me. You're the one oh. going on it, but you you just called him Kurt Warner with mobility. Kurt Warner is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, so he looks he like it. He's got the look. Okay. He's got the throw. I mean, and you can clearly tell that he, he's got some baseball in his past. The way he winds up and fires that thing. Oh, that kind of helps that your dad is a former major yeah. league closer. <laughs> but just the throws, the throws don't always like his his over the middle throws, like his seam stuff, uh, his crossing patterns, the ones he's just throwing out there on a complete laser beam. Those look like someone doing the almost like a wind up with a pitch. Mm-hmm. He's got that big of a of an arm swing and a follow through on that. It's not the most you now on the outside when he throws, it's very compact. But yeah, you give him you give him some space. And that he is lighting that thing up out there. Luis Severino playing quarterback for the Chiefs. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah is... so yeah, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to belabor too much on the Garoppolo thing, but yeah, no, stop fighting for meaningless yards. <laughs> and now C.J. Beathard takes over as the man. Oh uh... boy. All right, less than a half hour left in the show. I mean to do the plugs every show, but I normally forget, so I'll get them in real quick here. Uh, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That's where you're listening live. It has held up so far tonight for the whole show, so that's another jinx that I probably shouldn't even mention. But anyway, uh, to listen to this show and a possible after show afterwards, uh, you have to listen to the podcast version of the show. And you can go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, just search for it much less detail to podcast and subscribe, and you will get this show as a full show, live show, and after show in its entirety, uh, or any number of different podcasting apps. We should be on there. Just search for in much less detail the podcast. Communicate with this show via email. Send that to in much less detail at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. Follow Jason at IMLDJTG. Follow our picks on the blog. Blog site is in much less detail.blogspot.com. So, in other week three news, uh, I wanted to talk about the continued fall of the Patriots because I got to see that whole game against the Detroit yep. Lions. And because I wanted to, of course, do a little bragging about having my lock shit all over by Jay last week, and the lock came through, and the Lions handled the Patriots. They actually did it completely in a different way than I thought. They went coast to coast on them. They led the whole way. They were uh, dominant. Uh, did they lead the whole game or did the, the Patriots? Yeah. Uh, no, they they led the whole way. I'm so, not sure. I don't think the Patriots got up first. Now, I, as much as I talk about the Patriots and their terrible defense, even I did not expect them to give up the first Hundred yard rusher for the Detroit oh. Lions since Reggie Bush uh, yeah. in 2013, I believe. Uh, you that's a new low for even for the Patriots defense. That's a new low. You got ran over 
by Carry On Johnson and the Detroit yeah. Lions. Uh, it's over. That that dynasty is. I'm sorry. I've been saying it, and I will continue Whoa, to say it. That dancing on the grave. It's over. It's all over. Hulk Harrelson retired this week, and I'll do a Hulk Harrelson for you. He gone. This ball game is over. Man, that team is trash. I'm sorry. They just are. Uh, I did not see anything all that special out of the Detroit Lions to make them as dominant as they were. They just played much better than the Patriots. The Patriots looked like a team that is destined to finish like eight and eight or something like that. They did not look like the defending AFC champions. They did not look like a dynasty at all. And it's funny because they, the, the announcers were basically saying before the game started, well, we're expecting a, this to be sort of, you know, the on the Cincinnati game because the Patriots got embarrassed the week before by the Jacksonville Jaguars playing an overall great game against them. And the yeah. expectation was that the Patriots are going to wake up from that and, okay, we'll just shake that off and on to Cincinnati, on to Detroit and move on and, and play a much better game. And the betters thought that way too, making the Patriots a touchdown favorite. And I was like, no, no, they're, they're not that good. And sure enough, they're, they're not that good. Now, and, and, I, and I still kind of expect the Patriots to wake up from this and win the division because the division isn't all that good. But that team right now, they're they're not playing good football at all. No, and we we both managed to win a lock. And I was I, mean, I meant to ask you, I was like, that's a rarity where we both win our lock. It that, seems to be a rarity. It is a very rare thing. So no, I, I definitely thought that the Patriots were going to handle the Lions. I mean, come on, the Lions. They they got blown out at home by the Jets. Uh, you know, Tom Brady and those guys are going to come in, and I clearly either underestimated the Lions or overestimated the Patriots, or a combination of both, because that was hideous. What what they put up there, Brady got nothing going. We know we already know that the Patriots can't run the football, and you know his receivers can't get any separation. If you were watching what they were doing, they were putting three guys on Gronk at times. I mean, they're going back and watching, you know, and they're they're highlighting this throughout the whole game about just how absolutely blanketed, double and triple teamed Gronkowski was. And Brady, to his credit, is at least smart enough to not to try to force it into those situations. There was just nothing for him to get, and and he hasn't been the most accurate guy over the last few years. And that offense, that was a lot of three and outs, a lot of punts. Um. You know, and and then the desperation heaves at the end from from Brady. It's just like you've seen it too many times, where it's just he's just throwing it out there hoping to get a flag because he knows it's not getting completed. He and the rest weren't even and the and the rest weren't even calling those. I mean, it was like if that everything that the Patriots tried to throw at the Lions didn't work. And yeah, and then this. That, that one out uh, on yeah. third, uh, they got called for or in the third rather, they got called for groundings in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um And then on third is when he got the uh, the coverage sack because he couldn't find anybody open because, like you said, right. they were they had three guys doing a triangle around Gronk and daring any of those other receivers to get open and they can't get open because they're not very good. Yeah. So very very interesting. Um, what we've seen out of the Patriots the last couple of weeks. Cause like, like you said, you know, the, 
the general consensus would be like, hey, after after the Jags handled them, they they were they 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 they'd hunker down and they'd get coached up and they'd be able to go back out there and and get the W and, and that didn't happen for them and hey it didn't happen for the Jaguars either. Talk about a letdown game. No, it didn't. The Jaguars, uh, the the heckle and jive quarterback Blake Bortles struck again and yeah, he didn't play anywhere. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and he didn't play anywhere near as well against the Titans as he did against the Patriots. Uh, and I wanted to give uh, props to Marcus Mariota for that game, for the Titans win that neither one of us saw coming uh, because Mariota was not supposed to play in that game. They were holding him out again. And, and Mike Vrabel was doing his best Belichick and being very secretive about the whole thing, being very clandestine, but Blake Bortles gets the start, gets his bell rung a couple times, got the stuff knocked out of him, and they had to bring in Mariota to play quarterback with a bad arm because they had no third quarterback on the roster. And that was uh, that was special to watch the Jaguars basically get faked out by the entire uh, Tennessee Titans game plan and the entire offense. The, the league's best defense objectively uh, – well, subjectively, I guess is what I was trying to say. I, I got turned around there, but subjectively, the league's best defense, the Jacksonville Jaguars, got faked out by the Tennessee Titans because you really didn't know until uh, the end of the game that Mariota had an elbow so bad that he couldn't really throw deep. But they sure <laughs> as hell kept acting like he was about to throw deep. They kept running play actions, and yo, know, he's winding up. Here he goes. Here he goes. Oh, look, he checked it down to the running back again. Oh, there's another play action. Here he goes. Oh, he's taking off and running. Yeah. They stretched out the Jags enough to work within whatever area was left open underneath, and they just kept doing that the whole game. And it didn't get him any touchdowns, but it got him enough points to win the game. And that was uh, that was a kind of impressive, the fact that the Titans were able to sort of fake out the Jags the whole game. So, uh, and and that, the Jacksonville ag- uh, offense just was oh. just struggling the whole the whole way. But for the Titans, though, this is two weeks in a row now where you look up and the end of the game and they won. And, and it was the games were, were terrible to watch. And they you didn't think they had much of a chance. And it was Blaine. Was it Blaine Gabbert one week? Yeah. We, we kept calling Blake Bortles, but Blaine Gabbert <laughs> one week. Marcus Mariota, who couldn't throw the next. And they held the Jaguars, who had just pretty much just – you know, beating the Patriots like a drum, they hold them to six points. That's now, what, three or four in a row now for, for Tennessee over Jacksonville. So who knows? Maybe this is like a Philly-Atlanta situation or, uh, you know, maybe, they they have Titans just, maybe the Titans just have their number of the Jaguars. But if it hadn't happened in Chicago 30-some-odd years ago, I'd say that we need to, to, to brand the Titans as winning ugly. <laughs> Uh, they're definitely winning ugly right now. That that right there was that eighty was that eighty three was that those eighty three yeah. White Sox? Yeah, the winning ugly White the, the Titans are winning ugly because that is two and one, and it ain't pretty, but a win's a win. I mean, and that's also a win over the the team that they're supposed to be contending with in the division, maybe down the road. And I don't know if this is going to last for the Titans. How long can they slap this together? They're going to need points to win at some point. They're not going to win all these games you know, nine to six or, you know, 20 to 18 or whatever these, 
they're going to need some offense eventually, and I expected that offense to be better. They brought in an offensive coach. Uh, the defense is bailing them out right now. The, the new and improved defense, which is also something that we uh, spent some time talking about during our season preview, that the, the Titans did plug some holes on that defense, and so far it's showing. That was one of the factors in why the Jacksonville offense looked as bad as it did uh it, it they, there wasn't any pressure against the Patriots. Bortles had time to do anything he wanted. Tennessee got a hell of a lot more pressure, so that was a factor. Bortles was bad. He had he made some bad throws, yep. but it wasn't all his fault. He got pressured a lot. Some of his guys dropped some balls. He got off uh, some good throws, and some of his guys had some bad drops out there. And his offensive line was committing penalties. So it was pretty much a mix of everything you could imagine for the Jaguars coming off of such a, yeah. an emotional win over the Patriots. That also, along with Minnesota, might have been a case of just underestimating an opponent and not giving your, your best effort. Yeah, I mean, for for the Vikings, it could have been a case of looking ahead to the Rams, and for the Jaguars, a case of, you know, the, the sigh after they beat the Patriots, you know, and they, 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 they slayed the dragon and they're victorious and this is going to be easy. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's not that easy in the NFL. This isn't college. That's why I like the pros so much more than college ball because they're, you know, more so in, in the NFL than you can really say in college, you do have the, the any given Sunday mentality. And that's how the bills end up, you know, being 16 and a half point underdogs and just, wiping the floor with the Minnesota Vikings and the Titans left for dead with no quarterback. You know, they're getting their best offense. They're getting their most quarterback production from their safety. And uh, they, <laughs> they, they beat the Jags. They, they beat the team that we both have going to the Super Bowl. There's occasionally a 16 and a half point team in college that pulls the upset and gets the win. But yeah. the difference between that and the NFL is for every one of those in college, there's 40 or 50 16-point dogs that get curb stomped. And yeah, that doesn't and, happen in the and, NFL. And you don't see 45-point underdogs in the NFL. Well, yeah, that's a whole different. <laughs> you know, 60-point right underdogs, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and just the fact that you could be like a 60-point underdog and, and, and look at that and go, well, I don't know. I might need to. Take you know, give those points. I was like, oh boy, <laughs> that that is college football. We have very rarely eclipsed a twenty point spread. It's it's memorable when we get into the twenties and the pros. Yeah, those dominant Patriots teams, the, the yep. one that almost won, that almost went completely undefeated. Yeah, uh, springs to mind. But yeah, it's very very rare. So. Yeah, we, we we we've hit on a lot of them so far. So we just we keep going here. What do we what else we got? Uh, the Steelers woke up from their slumber on Monday night and and uh, held we, down. We uh, that. Yeah, uh, and boy, turnover. Bernie Sanders uh, reared his ugly. But some of those throws. Ooh. Yeah, I, I even texted you during the game. Bernie's back. You know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, they uh, yeah. the. the the Buccaneers were, were not, uh, you know, the the top, the, those two weeks, those first two weeks, that wasn't what the Buccaneers were all about. And those first two weeks were not what the Steelers were all about. 
And that one, you got to give a little props to the to the betting public for having the Steelers as the favorite. They knew, but yeah. that's also a little. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, it's the Steelers that goes into that as well. That Pittsburgh is always going to get people betting and putting a lot of money on them just because they're Steelers. But but they came through. They did what they had to you, do. You know, for Fitzpatrick, he kind of got the best and the worst out of him in that game. I mean, he dug them into the hole. And, and damn it, he almost dug him out. So, sure. you know, but but clearly the whole offense is the, the throws that, that he was making and the catches. It wasn't the throws. It was the catches. So the offense is just chuck it out there and let Mike Evans go get it. Because there were plays that Mike Evans was making on the ball where there were like two Steelers around just like, you know, like they're the three Stooges out there. They had no idea what was going on. And Mike Evans is just catching the ball in complete traffic. And he's, so he's, he's throwing it out there and and the guys are making plays. I I guess that's all you can ask, but there wasn't any precision to some of it. It wasn't like he was just dropping dimes. No. So a lot of, so a lot of it is just dropping dimes. (laughs) Yeah. a, A lot of it is just, uh, you know, go out there and, and, and you're you're losing big, so it's not, you got nothing more to lose. And, and then they started connecting on some of these plays, but they, they did almost come all the way back because we know that the Steelers' defense isn't very good either. No. And I wasn't sure that if the Steelers hadn't converted on some of those third downs late uh, to seal that up, and one of them was like a, a Roethlisberger had to kind of like scramble away from the pressure. I think that was the one that iced the game, kind of throw back across his body if it hadn't been for those that play and then they had to punt the ball back, I'm not sure that Pittsburgh wins the game. It was it was a furious rally at the end. I thought it was over and, and was and had kind of given up on it, but uh yeah. they did make an effort. But yeah, that Steelers defense will allow you to come back into into a lot of games. But uh, at least the offense uh put it together for one game and did what what they were supposed to do. Uh did I hear you call the some of those Buccaneers uh, players, the the three Stooges there. No, those were the Steelers defenders. Ah, okay. Those were the yeah. yeah. Now it's time for the classic comedy of the Three Stooges on Channel Thirty Two. Can't resist the urge to go back to when we yeah. were five years old and, and play the old Three Stooges introduction music. From Channel 32, WFLD. That's Chicago, folks, in case you didn't know, in case you couldn't tell from the can't accents. Go more we're, than we're from Chicago. Can't, can't go more than a few shows without getting a little Chicago on our show. We we already had the winning ugly reference. I'm sure a lot of people got that one. <laughs> yeah, Google winning ugly, and I'm sure that's what that's what will come up is those '83 White Sox, those, those hideous mid '80s <laughs> Sox unis. I love those. Those are classic with the big socks. They're, they're classic the because that that just the classic because that's what you grew up with. But those are some hideous <laughs> uniforms. Uh, perhaps. They they bring out good memories when I see them. That's all I know. Yeah, and then when they rebranded to the to the black jerseys with the you know the more like sort of like almost like medieval lettering, um, when they went to that jersey, that all of a sudden they became like the most popular one in town again. Just like Raiders fans, I didn't realize that that was like a gang thing. 
Man, whatever works. Because uh, the size it, went it through fit the so game many colors. <laughs> they went through so many different changes and 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 logos. They had the curly white yeah. C at one point. Uh, they were just struggling. They're just trying to find anything that worked, and they they went to that. To, to what they got now, that Sox script with the the black cap, yeah. they went to that because that's what they had back in like the fifties. So they were just you know dredging <laughs> up something old, to see if that would well, yeah, work. That just that, that stuck. Because not the Cubs wouldn't look good on a jersey. <laughs> the Chicago, not the Cubs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as I've already said many times on this show, that's not the Chicago White Sox. That's the Bridgeport White Sox. That's the only <laughs> place that. Well, see, if they wanted to fill the stadium, they could have just said they could have had the North Side Cubs, and then this, the Sox could have been the South Side Cubs. See, the South Side Cubs. That I'd love to see Reinsdorf try to pull something like that off, but uh, I don't think he would have the guts <laughs> to try that. Uh, well, Cubs are in a fight right now, so it, 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 it's interesting here. They they, they backdoored into the uh, postseason tonight, but uh, yeah, they had to eke out a win in ten innings today after they blew another late lead. So interesting, interesting going on with baseball. I'm sure we'll have some baseball talk here eventually as we get into the postseason. Playoffs start next week. Absolutely. Yeah, playoffs are some for some of these teams are starting right now. Right, it's pretty much this weekend is uh, they're they're playing playoffs already. Yeah. Now and this, uh, going into this weekend. Yep. Um, I, I needed to point out that you said that we were going to possibly get trapped looking at the Denver Broncos uh, as six-point dogs at Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we we got to take those points. The, the, the Baltimore uh, are they the the Broncos? They bring a real defense, and they're gonna go over there yeah. and give Joe Flacco, and then they're gonna give them all they can handle. And we we got to go with the Broncos. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. Yeah, we we got it on both ends. Uh, yeah, you know, that's two weeks in a row now where I've actually called the trap and we've still mm-hmm. walked right still into fell it. In it. Yep. Yeah, we're we're in the woods with both our legs now caught in bear traps. <laughs> you know, that just flailing to that. survive. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to, you know, chop off one of my feet with uh, like a Swiss army knife or something so I can get out of these bear traps that we keep falling into. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I have this this uncanny ability so far this season to see the trap. And dive headfirst right into it. We, we really got to stop doing that. We got to yeah. uh, figure out a way to, when we see the traps coming, to point yeah. it out, say, that's a trap, and then avoid yeah. the trap. The the van with free candy written on it doesn't actually <laughs> have free candy. That's called a trap. We need to avoid <laughs> that. Don't go into the van, little little boy. Oh uh, man, this is this is yeah, two weeks in a row. So I'm, I'm going to start trying to take my own advice and not fall into the obvious traps that we keep setting for ourselves. And then uh, finally, before we make our pick for tomorrow night, a uh, lot of uh, weird vibes, a lot of flashback feelings when you see the. Chicago Bears go down early in Arizona, and you're like, well, this one might be over. And all of a sudden you look up, and it's somehow the, the Bears have they've come back and won. Wait, how, how did that happen? What 
Dennis Green, what do you think of that? Coach, uh, four picks against Grossman and two fumbles. What did you see about the Bears? Uh, we shut them down that way. No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes the third game in a preseason like it's bullshit? Bullshit. We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Uh, crown the Bears, crown Khalil Mack, once again, running things on that defense. Uh, crown the first place Chicago Bears. Crown, end the season now. Give the Bears the division title now. It's, it's over now. Yeah, you, you know, looking at that division, I still think that the Minnesota Vikings, despite what just happened this last week, are going to still have something to say about that in, in the final analysis. But for right now, yeah, two and one, you're looking pretty good. That's why I'm saying in the season now, please. We don't. I don't want the season going further. <laughs> the, the, the defense, the defense is clearly legitimate. We've known that. We we knew that their defense was good before they signed Khalil Mack. He's taken them to a whole new level. They they needed every bit of that defensive magic to to eke out mm. a win against the Cardinals. I I do think that uh, was is Bruce Arian still the coach down there for the, for now. Um. No, they threw Wait, him out last so, year. So who's down there now? Oh, they they got this guy Steve Wilkes. It's his first job, and you can tell well, it's his first you job. You can tell it's his first job because he waited way too long to pull the trigger on Sam Bradford. Hey, Josh Rosen, game's on the line, fourth quarter. Get in there, kid. Not the time you put him in. <laughs> At that point in the game, when you actually need some veteran stability, you probably are better off rolling with the game manager to try to get you down into field goal position. No, nope, they, they tried to roll the dice and, and Rosen and, and he, he looked okay, but he threw the pick and, uh, and that sealed it up. But, you know, up, up until that point, he, you could see that there was a little spark there, but not, not that Baker Mayfield level spark where they did the move at halftime. So yeah, not the spot. Maybe maybe he thought that he could recapture the magic that other teams said, oh, hey, it worked for these guys. It, no. Not the time you go to the bench. Sorry. Nice try. All right. Time to pick the Thursday nighter. Tomorrow night, the Minnesota Vikings will try to rebound off of whatever the hell that was against the Bills on Sunday. And for their troubles, they get three days of rest, and then they have to go on a plane out to California face the possible best team in football, the 3-0 and Los Angeles Rams, looking as, old, as only they can look. And so as a result, no surprise with the spread, the 1-1-1 one, one, one Vikings with Kirk Cousins are seven and a hook, seven and a half point dogs at the 3-0 and LA Rams with Jared Goff at the helm. Jason, who you got? Yeah, this one this one's tough because I do believe that they're the, the Rams are artificially giving an extra couple of points just because of the fact that the Vikings just lost to the Buffalo Bills. I'm still going to give the seven and a half with the Rams here. I mean, this is a team through three games that's given up 36 points, and they're playing a Minnesota team that I think is reeling after a couple of really tough games here to start the season. They haven't looked that great in any one of their three matchups, and the Rams are rolling. They're hitting on all cylinders. Give me the Rams and the points. I'm going to have to concur. I, I'm a little afraid of it because of how 
good of a team in, uh, in general. Uh, the Vikings are a good quality team, and the defense may get angry and, and rise up and have something to say about what Jared Goff and the Rams are doing. But, yeah, the Rams look uh, unstoppable right now. Uh, I'm uh, What did I do last week? Eight and eight, nine and seven, something like that. Uh, yeah, I was eight and eight and I was eight and eight, you were nine and seven. So I'm going to be a little more numbers heavy coming up. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about it uh, in the after show when we come back. All right. And it's the VIP after show. Yeah. I was just going to bring up the 9.3 yards per pass attempt that the Rams are averaging right now. And they're just looking like a a machine that's just on all cylinders, just clicking. Uh, Another thing that might worry me a little bit is the Rams have some secondary issues. They lost a keep to leave to injury. They may not have Marcus Peters for this game tomorrow night. But I guess I just don't believe that the Vikings are going to be in a position to take too much advantage of that. They're reeling off of this loss against Buffalo. They only have three days to recover from it. They have to go out on the road on the short week. Week four is a little early to still talk about the uh, making the home team on Thursday night just automatic take them and give the points no matter what the spread is. However, in this case, we're talking about the the gut punch of coming off of being the biggest favorite of the year and losing that game, not just losing the spread, but losing the game and getting your doors blown off, only having three days to recover from it uh, and getting on a plane and going to, to California. I, just, I think that's a few too many factors for the Vikings to overcome. I'll like them to recover maybe the next game, whatever that opponent is going to be in 10 days after this, you know, I have a little more time to recover and get over things, but this is a little too soon, a little too high-quality opponent right now for them to, to just recover and bounce back. So I, I'm going to agree with you and, and give the seven and a half. I think the Rams will probably win by 10 or 12 points. Yeah, that that sounds legitimate to me. I mean, that, that sounds like a good number. And this is going to be, you know, this – well, last week we, we had you know, what, the game that saved football part two – I'm hoping this is a good game. I really do want this to be a compelling matchup. I would like to get an actual quote unquote classic Thursday night game that actually is classic, not just bad teams playing what looks to be competitive football because it's the only thing on TV when it's a game that nobody would have cared about if it was just buried in the the Sunday afternoon schedule. But now it's got more meaning because it's in prime time and it's the only thing on. This this should be this 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 is a potential playoff preview. I mean, it's two really good teams, but the Vikings, excuse me, the Vikings just haven't played. They they were they they covered against San Francisco, but they let them hang around. They needed a they basically needed the Green Bay defense to just completely shit the bed in the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter, um, to force a tie they just got embarrassed by the Buffalo Bulls. So the way things have been going this year. Yeah. So yeah, of course the Vikings will probably go and, you know, (laughs) beat the crap out of the Rams, but that just because everything is so unpredictable right now, but if there's one thing that's been steady through these first three games, it's how good the Rams have been on both sides of the football. See, unlike the chiefs, the other sort of big three and O story, the Rams played defense. Mm Mm-hmm. And 
and they are not letting people score. And you you know you've got something good going on when you are – and I don't even pull this stat out in week four. The Rams are plus 66 <laughs> after three games. That's pretty, that's pretty silly for after three games. Yeah, plus 66. You're winning your games by an average – Average of 22 points. They are clicking. So, yeah, things are – and, yeah, with the short week and, you know, and yes, the Rams are beat up in the secondary, but the Bills showed you don't need much of a secondary if Kirk Cousins is running for his life. Yeah, or he probably Jacob, will be you know, yeah. running for his life again with Aaron Donald and company chasing him. Yeah, and and I also worry that you know you said that the Vikings uh, players, especially their defensive players, might be getting angry. Seems like one of their guys is already a little too angry. Yeah, Everson Griffin is not going to be available because he's getting his head checked out, and it's not for uh, concussions. Yeah. Although that might be why he's going crazy, but it's he's going a little very, crazy right now. It's very possible, but you know we have a guy retire at halftime. The next week we have a dude go insane. Yeah. Just threatening to shoot people and yeah. all sorts of craziness. So yeah, they've they've deactivated him, and and they'll they'll take a look at that. that's a that's a big loss football wise for the Vikings because he comes off that edge and brings a a ton of heat. But uh, obviously, it's uh, bigger than football right now to make sure the guy doesn't uh, uh, pull a junior Seau and and destroy oh. himself and people around him or something like and that. And other, yeah, you, yeah. You just, you know, right now you're just hoping for the guy to be, you know, you know, mentally able and, and just, you know, able to cope with things. But that, that was a, that was a crazy story that first, you know, I'm reading the updates that, well, they, they expect him to not be available for personal reasons. And then like the next update you find out like, oh yeah, he was threatening to shoot people. Yeah, that's pretty personal. Yeah. So, like you said, they need to get angry. Just, just not that angry. Not quite that angry. Um, I'm feeling manipulated by you. We're hoping it's supposed that it was going to be a really good game. Of course, it's the first Thursday nighter that they have on Fox after starting out on NFL Network the first three yeah. weeks. Why can't all the games be this quality though? I, why do they got to make it a special game? Why that's, was Jets that's Browns funny you mentioned last it. week? Yeah, Jets yeah. and Browns when nobody really cares. And now and yeah, we're on Fox. Oh, here's Vikings Rams for you. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's interesting you, you, how you, that works. Trying to say there's a theory. Next week we have Colts at Patriots, so you get. Andrew Luck at Tom Brady, right? And then Eagles Giants. Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Eagles Giants. Oh my God. Bronco. Oh wait. Well, we get we get it all back when we have Broncos at Cardinals. Ooh. Well, but they started. They start off hot. They start off the Fox part of it hot with with Vikings Rams, and that's on purpose. And I don't wait. Wait. Wait until week nine, this suddenly uncompelling matchup of Raiders Niners. <laughs> yeah, they thought that was going to be a hot one. Oh, yeah. Now we get C.J. Beathard. Oh, no. C.J. Beathard. <laughs> yes, I'm going to play that every time we mention C.J. Beathard, because that's the last thing the 49ers had in mind this year. 
the last yeah. thing. Yeah, they're they're completely, and we had them not in the playoffs either. We didn't fall into the trap of uh, falling into all the Jimmy Garoppolo love, right? Oh, and there was so, a ton of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I had predicted that they would be the hot uh, preseason playoff pick. I don't think that they're twenty to one anymore for uh, <laughs> for the Super Bowl or whatever it was. And can you short sell? I man, I wish I could have short sold oh, that. Man, I we already talked about that. I wish yeah. to God that there was a market for that. Every year, just whatever it takes. Cleveland Browns will not win the Super Bowl. I want that bet. I want it. <laughs> I don't care money. what it is. I don't, I don't care, care what if the I odds have to are. bet one thousand dollars to win a dollar. I don't care if it's ten thousand to win a dollar. I want that bet. If I could have short sold the Forty ers not going to the Super Bowl, I I, uh, I would have. Not that many things I'm sure of, but that one I was sure of, especially as high as their odds were. Oh yeah, it was it was crazy the the hype and the money being put on them and the, all the love. Yeah, it, it always did feel just wrong. The whole thing just felt wrong. And I'm a fan I'm of actually Kyle Shanahan and and the Shanahanigans, but he knows current, what he's doing. Current Super Bowl odds. <laughs> Oh wait, this was okay. So this was September second. Oh, okay. So as of September second, the Forty ers were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleventh, eleventh. Yeah. The odds. That's that's sick. So that is uh, they were plus eighteen hundred to to go to the Super Bowl. Which which is ridiculous, right? It is. Now I want to know. Now I want to know what they are right now. This is something I I need to find this. Odds to uh, win Super Bowl fifty. Well, odds to win the Super Bowl fifty two right now. The Forty ers are thirtieth. <laughs> so. So this is before the season started. Before the season started, they were 11th to win the Super Bowl. Now they are 30th. That's quite the fall. Only ahead of the Bills and the Cardinals. And I'd love to short short them too. (laughs) And they are tied with the Raiders and the Jets. Wow. I kind of feel sorry for any of you that had money on the 49ers to the Super Bowl before the season again, but I'm also kind of laughing at you because what the fuck are you doing? Come on. Yeah. Oh, my God. So so the, before the season started, they were 11th, and they've dropped to, to 30th, and I, that's almost all on the fact of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, blowing his knee out. That, it's actually, that's solely on the fact. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Completely. That's, that's the the risk that you take, I suppose, with, with gambling. That's why it's called gambling. Um, I never in a million years I would have put money on the 49ers to, to go to or win the Super Bowl, even even with Jimmy Garoppolo. They weren't going to the playoffs. Yeah, that, that was silly. So uh, the one 
uh, person at the at, at, in my bowling league tonight that brought up something football wise. Now she's a, a Packers fan, so of course she's going to bring this up. But she brings up what is going on with Clay Matthews, who's just got a big ass target on his back that every mm-hmm. time he makes a hit on a quarterback is being flagged by by the by the officials now every single time. Yeah. He's, he's getting the Vontez perfect treatment. But without all, the, with, without all the illegality of the, the hits. Did, did he do a bunch of cheap shots to deserve that? I, I, I missed that. No, 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 he cheap shot. It was who did cheap shot? Uh, Kaepernick that time. That was bad. Oh, years ago, yeah. It's either Kaepernick or Cam Newton. He cheap shotted somebody on the sideline. But yeah, I don't know how much more. And this is starting to become a sort of popular movement against the NFL. Because now it's like the fans see it, the commentators see it. Everybody sees that it's bad, and the NFL just keeps doubling down like, nah. It was legit. These calls are right. We have reviewed the footage and determined that our officials made the correct call. Fuck all y'all. In that same game, there was a dude who slammed Aaron Rodgers like head into the turf. No call. (laughs) Oh, we're not going to talk about that. You know, it's it's not just that game. It's not just that it's Clay Matthews. Now, in defense, I don't want to defend the call or anything like that because I know they're making the big deal that he got flagged for another one. Packers weren't winning that game anyways. Right. I mean, they they had nothing. I mean, they were giving up bombs to Alex Smith. Alex Smith was taking the top off of that Packers defense. The Packers defense is just horrific. So – yeah, Clay Matthews got flagged for another one, but this one wasn't as nearly as game-changing or at least game-altering as the one against Minnesota, where it was like, that was it. That was the game. Game over. Packers kneeling it down, <laughs> going home with the win. Uh, no, this one yeah. wasn't as egregious at the moment that it happened in the game. The story is now that you just you just can't hit people, apparently, anymore. Yeah, the other part of that is that this hit actually had a little air of legitimacy to it as far as the way the rule is written about landing with body weight on the quarterback. That actually yeah. was... This one was actually uh, more to the letter of the rule, the bad rule, but this one was the one from against Washington was more to the letter of the bad rule than the one against the Vikings. So That's yes. the key is that this one is just like where, where else can he land? What is he supposed to do? Yeah. Whereas the one in week two was that was not a fucking flag by any stretch. That was just a the ref just fucked just fucked that up. That's all that was. Yeah, because he was laying on his legs and he propped himself up from not landing on him fully. He wrapped an arm around his waist and almost laid him down gently and got flagged for roughing. It's like what the hell else can he do to him? But we're we're seeing this. I mean, uh, did you see all the ones in the what was it the Monday night game? It was getting really bad, too. Oh, just back and forth, roughing the passer, roughing the passer. Oh, roughing yeah. One of them, Roethlisberger, got love-tapped on his helmet with a little finger and went down like he got shot in the head and, and drew the flag <laughs> with his acting. I told you, if I was a quarterback, I would be – if there was a dude near me, I'm grabbing the jersey and just holding on and letting – you know, and, like, pulling him on top of me. Free 15 yards. Let's go. Or you can do the bin and just – Act like you just got killed. You can do the, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger is basically doing a Ric Flair. Like anyone who 
anyone anyone that comes anywhere near him or touches him, he's just yelling in like he's in just the greatest pain, like ah, and letting the refs take over and, and call the penalties. It's it's it's, it's just so bad. I, I don't know oh, if it's going to be better either. It's it's turning into soccer. The, oh oh oh! Do you see yeah. what he did to me? Oh. Yeah. Or it's the. It's the Dan Carpenter play from a couple of years ago all over again. <laughs> you know, the kicker that gets, like, the guy runs into his leg and blows him up, and he just lays there like he's dying on the turf until he has to get right back up and kick the field goal. Yeah. yeah that was that was memorable. That got a, a, an award uh, after the season I, because of the because his yeah. wife uh, called, I think it was Richard oh. Sherman that hit him, called him an animal, or this is what we do to animals yeah. on the farm, or something like that. I was like, dude, your husband just flopped like he was Ronaldo. Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. Yeah, I think he actually got the very first Antonio Brown's Grammy Award. <laughs> For great acting skills, you you get yeah. the Grammy. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you say that, I just, I, I can't believe that. Pac-Man Jones was talking about someone getting a Grammy for acting. It's like, what? You know, well, come on. It's an award. <laughs> it's a thing. It's, a, it's an award thingy. You know you know what I was talking like about. You like giving a know. defensive player, offensive player of the year. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. It you, just... Yes. He wanted to give a guy a singing award for for acting. It happened. Only back because Antonio Brown was clearly faking getting his head torn off. Oh my God, that's the other part. Uh, no, he couldn't have been faking that because you could see on the replay he got his lights turned off. You could see the lights getting turned <laughs> off in his head as he's yeah. he was out before he hit the ground. So no, that wasn't acting, idiot. That's the other part of it. <laughs> he was acting. No, it's all a ruse. Right. Um, so Aaron Rodgers now, uh, I, that's another whammy that I put down that I finally went and picked the Packers because apparently he was he's just going to keep playing the whole year. And now as soon as I pick him, they, they go down. So now, now you saw he's three against the spread right now, you know, Oh, and three against the spread. Yeah. But I don't think, did, did I pick them the first two weeks? I don't think I did. No, I have had and, the uh, Packers. I have bet against them all three weeks so far and won all three picks. Yeah, we both had the yeah. uh, the Bears uh, yep. in week one. We, we both, both had, had Minnesota. the Vikings okay. in week two. It was week three. You had the Packers. You jumped off. Yeah. And I stayed. See, it's your, your move. Yeah. This usually yeah, takes was, longer for this to build up. That's what I was saying is that I finally decided to pick the Packers, seeing that Aaron Rodgers is apparently going to just stay upright and keep playing. Um, and now he's, you saw he's got a hamstring now, probably to do the overcompensating for the uh-huh. really bad torn up knee that he's got. Yeah. Um, now I'm back to I don't know what the hell to pick with the with the Packers anymore. Yeah. And they're playing Buffalo, so <laughs> now I'm really not going to know what to do. Yeah. Who knows what we're going to get on Sunday because they're playing the Bills and the Bills. Yeah. Yeah, that one, I officially have no idea. I can already tell you. Whatever my pick is for that one, I'm just picking something. Just to pick uh, it. But it's not going to be a highlight game. I know that. So we're we're good. Yeah, Burfecht, uh it's funny you brought him up. 
because I don't think uh, he would have let Christian McCaffrey run for a buck eighty-five like that because he just lit up the, the the Bengals on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see that coming. You had that one on me. No, I didn't have it in that fashion. Trust me. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was just glad that I actually had a week where I was a you know where I actually picked up a game on you because. First couple of weeks, it felt like a struggle, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do this. Oh, yeah, I can have an okay week, finally. You had a very good uh, first half of the day on Sunday. You had the Giants over Houston. So, Houston yeah. 0-3, they're, they're done. They're Brady Quinn done. Um, Pretty, You know, I don't count them out. I mean, that division's going to be tough, though. That's That's the key is they're still looking up at the Jaguars, maybe the winning ugly Titans, and uh, don't know don't know about the rest. And, hey, we talked about your lock. I had those Dolphins, <laughs> and, man, if you can count on anything so far through three weeks, it's that every <laughs> week the Raiders are going to blow leads in the second half because they can't get to the quarterback because they traded their best pass rusher. Murga. Look, do you know how hard it is to find a good pass rusher in the NFL? It's really hard. Jay Gruden keeps telling me how hard it is. It's really difficult. <laughs> God, I just just wish I could find one. Just uh, wish there was somebody. Just don't know how Anybody. Do Maybe we'll draft one with all of these high draft Oh, wait, the Bears are halfway decent now that we gave them our best player. So those picks won't even be as good. But I'll tell you what's going to be really good, the Raiders' own pick. That's going to be really good. Oh, wait, they did draft one several years ago, and he developed into an all-pro, and then they threw him away because <laughs> yeah. he wanted to be paid. But How when they're picking third, yeah. the Raiders are going to be probably picking third or fourth, so they'll get somebody decent. Did you see some of the plays that the Dolphins were using to, to mount that comeback? That uh, was because... a game I stayed completely away from. <laughs> I didn't even. I have not seen one highlight from that game. I knew what I. I saw what I needed to see. Raiders had the big lead, and they blew it. And they just and they blew it like convincingly. That went like way the other direction. Some of the plays that the Dolphins were pulling off from underneath. Uh, one of the touchdowns, I believe, was a wide receiver option that he that he threw to somebody oh. for, for a touchdown. There was some other uh, – there's a lot of razzle-dazzle uh, in that comeback. Plays that I was surprised – I only saw the you know about a one- or two-minute highlight package of the game, but there were plays that you don't usually see teams pull off that are behind, that are trying to catch up to win a game. So that's what struck out, uh, stuck out to me. It struck me that Adam Gates is pulling these razzle-dazzle plays to beat the Oakland Raiders from behind, and it felt to me like – that was Adam Gates sort of telling uh, the Oakland Raiders, hey, you guys, you stupid. You don't know what you're doing. You're not going to keep this lead. I'm going to pull these trick plays out on you, and we're going to come back using these this, this dumbass options and razzle. That, that just looked like – I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i certainly not saying the Raiders are going to go 0-16 or anything like that, but I think the league is kind of looking at the Raiders as just a joke right now. I think everyone's just laughing at what they're doing. Yeah, they're they're one of the laughing stocks of the league, and they, they should be better. And clearly, offensively, they they you know other than their first game, the, the second week they played more competently. This last game they played, so their offense is getting it done. They can't hold leads. 
And didn't Gruden complain this week about uh, Derek Carr was too aggressive or something? Didn't he just finish complaining? Yeah, after he, he just told him he was a, yeah, after he just told him he was a pussy and passing up the <laughs> the right, basically what he said. He pulled his punk card on him. Yeah, and now he and just Carr rubbed responds. it right back in his face. And Carr responds, and he's more aggressive than Gruden's like, That's too aggressive. Oh, you're. It really is Murga. It's what are you doing Murga. up there, man? Ma- making the Raiders great again. That's what he's doing. He's pissing AJ off McCarron his, his franchise quarterback. He's pissing off his franchise quarterback and, and might be greasing the the wheels to have him leave to bring in AJ McCarron as the starter. And yeah. that that would be the the height of Murga right there. Just get rid of all the good players so you can bring in the crap that, that are loyal to the guys that are loyal to you. That's that's the height of Murray. So maybe yeah. that's what's going on. I'm I'm telling you, he's gonna run the, he's gonna run that whole franchise right into the ground to then rebuild it. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I, I just I just don't know if he's capable of this because we've we, we again we've already pointed out he needs a ready made team a ready made to win team uh, to have success. He doesn't have think- that. I don't. I was thinking about you in a way you you pretty much discredited his whole Super Bowl uh, yeah. when they were uh, on Monday night when they kept uh, honoring Tony Dungy yeah. at halftime. And I'm like, hey, there's the guy that is the reason that John Gruden has a Super Bowl ring. There he I, is. Uh, when I saw them interviewing him on the sideline, I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> so I'm guy. glad that I have yeah, I'm glad that I have impacted your viewing experience by by crapping all over the Super Bowl <laughs> winning career of, of uh, John Gruden. Absolutely. As soon as I saw Dungey, I'm like, oh, there's there's the reason the he got a title. There he is. And then Dungey left and then got his own. <laughs> That's right. Uh, one more note, and I'm pretty much uh, finished with what I have. How troubling yeah. is it that Andrew Luck uh, is not a threat downfield at all uh, to the point that Indianapolis has to pull him to put in Jack Brisket to throw a Hail Mary pass at the end of the game. What what are we doing if we got a quarterback out there? It's almost like with the Titans and Mariota. What are we doing if we have a quarterback that can't throw? Because that's kind of important to the position. Yeah, well, I mean, in his injuries, history was pretty troubling anyways. I mean, what was it like? It was all shoulder and neck type stuff. So, yeah, when you, I don't know. Is, is he still trying to build up the arm strength? Because Andrew Luck, the last time I checked, had a pretty big arm. I guess yeah. not so much anymore. He better and then be just going upstream because if he, if not, yeah. then he's he's shot. Well, they didn't want to risk it having, but but I mean, if you if you're going to risk it throwing the ball deep, where they clearly knew like from practice or any of that that he couldn't do it, that maybe there's still more damage there than we just don't know about or we're going to find out about. But now if you're a defense, how can you take their deep ball seriously? You you don't. Exactly. Exactly. You're you're looking at that going, well, we know he's not going to get that ball out there to T.Y. Hilton 50 yards downfield like yeah. he used to. Just let that guy run around back there. <laughs> no, you yeah. can't throw it to him. Yeah, Very, very troubling to me. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? No, not really. I'm ready for bed and I get this eye thing going on. My eyes just won't stop like watering and stuff. So I think I, I think yeah. I've hit the height of like allergy season or something. I don't know because we was meant to do the show last night and yeah. I was doing some cleaning around the house and I didn't know like some dust got into my eye or something from like the vacuum cleaner or 
I don't know what happened, but like my right eye swelled up really bad. It got all puffy and red and it was like watering like crazy. And it was hard for me to see. And I, mean, I probably still could have done the show, but I wouldn't have had any of my, you know, I usually have stuff up on the computer and material and, you know, it would have been hard to do that um, with my eyes closed. Well, I'm glad to know the nature of it now that it was something maybe physical because I was worried sitting there like, oh, all you texted me was, uh, can't do the show tonight. My uh, eye is blurry and I'm having trouble oh, seeing yeah. no, no, no. my computer screens. Yeah. And I'm thinking, dude, are you stroking out on me? What the hell's going on? So I. <laughs> Glad to hear it wasn't it was anything so like that. angry like Everton Griffin. <laughs> so angry. No. Hulk it out. No. Hulk it out. Re- release some stress, dude. It's not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad it wasn't anything like that. No, I think it's I, – I, I usually get fall seasonal allergies, um, but this would be – I usually get them mid-October. But it, it's so weird with this year the way it's been. But yeah, I don't know. I was doing a bunch of house cleaning yesterday, and I'm thinking maybe I got some dust in my eye or something. So I was, I was honestly, after I sent you that text, I was actually in bed and asleep by probably eight fifteen last night. So I was really hoping that you got that because by the, t- I was like barely starting. I was starting to fall asleep when I got your text back. Like you know, all right. I was like, oh, thank God, because there's no way I'm getting up and doing this show. Yeah, I had the phone on silence, so I didn't get the text immediately. Uh, so luckily, I you're, you're lucky that I was, uh, looked at my phone before I started setting up the show and getting ready to go on the air because that was like the last thing I did before I started to set up. Um, oh, and sure. If I didn't do that, I, I would have been sitting there at nine just waiting for you. So, <laughs> so I was that would have been all around there. <laughs> well, at that and point, then, I would open up the phone and saw the text and go, "Okay, we're not having a show tonight. Goodbye." That's everybody. why he's not here. <laughs> so, no, but we we got the show on Wednesday night. We got it after I uh, after my yeah. bowling league after somebody uh, rolled a three hundred on us tonight. No so, way. Was, yeah, yeah, it was one of those nights. Oh, yeah, not only that, but I. I Asked the guy, so and he, you know, gray-haired guy. So I'm thinking, you know, this is like a, a regular thing for him. Like this is tenth or twelfth three hundred game or something like that. So I asked him, hey, so how many three hundred is that for you uh, in your lifetime? And he holds first up, a, uh, he holds up one finger, first one, oh. and like, against us. Ain't that some shit? Man. And then Ain't the worst part would be if you like, like, if you lost by like nine pins. <laughs> no, we we got trounced. But just well, the fact okay. that, some, that somebody shot a 300 on us, and it's their leadoff guy, too. And it's like, oh, oh God. Let's... Not even the heavy hitter? No, nah, no, nah, he's, he's a he's a first bowler. Just just kept just kept dropping them on the same spot and oh, kept hitting God. them flush. Yeah, usually it's those four or five guys you got to watch out for, not the person going first. That's usually one nah, of your worst he... bowlers. Right, they're they're using him as leadoff, and and he was on he was in the zone. He was you just know it's not your night, but you got to somebody throwing their first ever three hundred against you. I have never seen a three hundred game live. That's the second one someone's dropped on us. Someone nailed us a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. You know what we named our team this year? We're so bad. We are by far the worst team in the league year after year. We're clearly up there just to get some exercise and have some fun and enjoy ourselves. Uh, but as far as like 
everyone else in the league that you got most teams have somebody that's averaging close to 200 something like that. we have nothing like that we i think i have the highest average on the team is like 150 uh so we decided to name our team this year handicap team because every time ta- every time somebody comes against <laughs> us they see the huge handicap that we have and they're like oh my god we gotta beat you guys you yeah. bringing how many pins oh my god so we just just acknowledge the obvious and now so we're handicap team that's the name of our team this year well sometimes though it's hard to beat those teams with those huge handicaps that's what everyone says when they see our, our handicap and they're like oh my god this is going to be so tough we got to really be on tonight because if we're not Cause, yeah because if anybody if anybody on the team right. with the huge handicap has does anything at all right you got to work even harder exactly so we we just acknowledge the obvious uh, so yeah, the guy saw us in our in our handicap, and apparently he made the decision. You know what? I got to be perfect tonight. And damn it, in the first game, he was absolutely yeah. perfect. So he overcame it all. He sure did by himself. So yeah. Richard Watts, so, congratulations uh, on your first ever three hundred. So this week, I uh, need to do a Friday show. Oh, okay. All because right, we are, uh, I have to. We I have to take my. I have to take my mom out of town most of next week. So I'm not looking forward to that. Driving three days, uh, not three days of driving, but you know, driving somewhere on a day, being somewhere, and then driving back the next day. So, um, my my wife and I are actually going out on Saturday night since I won't be home for much, you know, much of next week. So uh, Friday night, I'll need to do the show. Gotcha. Uh, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. Uh, so ten o'clock, cause I work. I work late on Friday. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so our week four pick show, as you just heard, will be ten o'clock Central Time, eleven o'clock Eastern, this coming Friday night, the twenty eighth. Uh, after we watch what should be hopefully a, a competitive Thursday night game tomorrow night between the Vikings and Rams, so uh, we'll be getting ready for that. Uh, unless you got anything else, I think we'll be calling it a night. All right. I'm ready to go. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening, and be back here Friday night for our picks for week four. A lot more uh, numbers out of me. I got to get a lot more numbers and stats intense now as the season wears on because I got to just rely on my numbers because I get crazy like that as the season goes on. So we will see you all Friday night, and have a good one. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.